Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello. Welcome to the Librocube. I am Jordan Maywood, the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today's sponsor is Toby's Purple Typewriter Ribbon Emporium. Are you sick and tired of typing up letters in plain old black? Are you, for some reason, still using a typewriter? Well, come on down to Toby's Purple Typewriter Ribbon Emporium and feast your eyes on our stacks and stacks. Upwards of two of them. Stacks of purple typewriter ribbon. Never again will you say, What the fuck? Black again. Unless, of course, you are racist in some way and you're not talking about typewriter ribbon. I suppose that's possible, you bastard. Come on, we're all the same inside. Okay, since uh, it is a movie Monday, something we should uh, get in right off the bat is spoilers. There will most likely be them. Them their spoilers. So we got that out of the way. We're going to have a brief uh, stop to get gas break. But before that, let's try to get in our first movie. This is a movie that the missus was hounding me for probably two months to try to get. And it just came out uh, about a week ago. It is called The Chernobyl Diaries. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Chernobyl was a uh, a nuclear power plant in... uh, It's not Russia, it's... uh, Oh, jeez. (laughs) <laughs> Remember how I said that note-taking thing would be a good idea? And we're going to start? Well, we haven't yet, obviously. Chernobyl's in Ukraine? Jesus. It's in, uh, okay, how about this? Chernobyl's in Eastern Europe. Uh, they had a uh, bit of a meltdown over there. And quite often when people say they had a meltdown, they mean emotionally. Uh, sort of uh, figuratively, but I mean literally, they had a meltdown. And uh, that was about 25 years ago, according to the movie. So uh, when I was six years old, I don't remember reading about it in the paper too much, but uh, it was a big deal. Actually, kind of interesting side note is uh, there was just a, in the last month or so, an article in Wired, Wired Magazine, about how a lot of the wildlife has started to return to Chernobyl. Probably not wildlife, I did air quotes there, uh, like appeared in this scary movie. That's my my scary movie noise. So uh, the story starts out with a group of 20-somethings, all attractive, a 
of course. Uh, a group of four attractive 20-somethings, uh, as a lot of horror movies do start off. And they are... They consist of a pair of brothers, both of whom are from the States, but one is who is now living in Eastern Europe. Uh, the other is coming to visit him. The one who is coming to visit brought along his girlfriend and also his girlfriend's friend for some reason tagged along. Which is kind of strange, but hey, it gets stranger. So uh, the movie starts off with them sort of doing a European uh, trip, pictures in a whole bunch of European cities until they finally meet up with the brother in Eastern Europe. The brother who from the sounds of it, is a bit of a, uh, a layabout, a uh, shit disturber. A layabout shit disturber, that's hard to do, but he manages to do it. He uh, brings up the possibility of this uh, extreme trip from uh, a company called, I think it's Yuri's Extreme Travel, in which they can go and visit the remains of the city that used to, uh, where all the workers from Chernobyl used to live. Uh, it starts with a P. I can't remember what the name, and they always kind of mumbled it. It was something along the lines of Pudiput, 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 Pudiput. Not a lot of vowels, I don't think, in the in the name. As happens in Eastern Europe and Russia, the visiting brother is. Not exactly thrilled about the idea, but the other three kind of uh, cajole him into uh, into going along. And then... <laughs> then we stop and get gas right now. So we'll, uh, we'll edit out the ga- gas getting part. Okay, we're back. We are $43 in gas back. Ugh. I shouldn't complain, as a lot of people have a much longer and not picturesque drive, so that's just a complaining for sake of complaining. Before we continue on with the Chernobyl Diaries, let's play the QQQ 107. Radio Roulette. Let's see. Auntie Mo again. Wow. The show is called Derringer in the Morning. Oddly enough, I don't think we have heard him speak every single time we've turned it on. It's always been anti-mo, which I guess maybe we always turn it on at the same time, so uh, she's probably doing her thang at the same time. That must be the, the logical explanation. Okay, Chernobyl Diaries. So, um, I should mention that the girlfriend of the visiting brother had giant boobs just uh, throw that out there which uh, probably brought the rating of the movie up a couple of points one for each boob (laughs) Um, so they take uh, this extreme travel uh, to the city adjacent to Chernobyl with Yuri your uh, sort of typical ex-special forces 
uh, now retired, running a travel agency uh, that takes people to Chernobyl kind of guy. You know, your typical one of those. When they get there, Yuri normally has a sort of deal with the guards to let them in, but they say no, or probably more ac accurately, they say yeah, yeah, as that means no. He uh, decides to say, kind of screw this, because he's got paying customers here, and sneaks in the back way. The sort of first example you see of something's not quite right is as they are driving in, they stop at a river, and you see the sort of uh, mutated fish-looking lizardy amphibian thing. Um, I thought perhaps we'd see a sort of a la The Simpsons, a three-eyed fish, but uh, no, this was much more disturbing than that. They continue on their journey and park within the city limits and start to walk around. Something I was wondering, and Yuri puts their mind at rest, is that because they are there for such a short time, the uh, radioactivity is not going to affect them. They do a little search around abandoned buildings. The highlight of the search is just that uh, at one point Yuri's like, be quiet, I hear something, and then sort of goes off by his own. And then they did something that I like, which is a, uh, an unusually long pause of silence while they wait for Yuri. I like in comedy, an unusually long pause, and it turns out in horror, I also like a unusually long pause. Um, the pause is suddenly broken by a friggin' bear running out of nowhere. Uh, again, these are spoilers. <laughs> I did mention at the top, I hope you listened. I guess a, a bear is not exactly going to give away the whole story, but I plan to give away the whole story, so... There you go. A second warning. Twice warned. After that, they're all kind of, whew, uh, let's get out of here. And Yuri's like, we better be out of here before dark. Uh, they head back to his van, and uh, it won't start. <laughs> uh, it appears as if some sort of animal? Mm, question mark? has uh, chewed through the wires. Yuri tries to raise help on a walkie-talkie with no success, and then night falls. And that's when really shit starts going down. Oh boy. Yuri, I forget why, leaves the relative safety of the uh, van, and uh, he has a gun, and he... Uh, ends up walking into woods that you can sort of see from the van. The visiting brother goes with him. You see a couple of gunshots, and the, uh, the brother, the living in Eastern Europe brother, runs off to see what happened. He comes back with the visiting brother. No sign of Yuri. And uh, the visiting brother is... It's kind of hard to tell. I don't think he was shot. Um, maybe mauled, yeah, mauled, bitten, 
bitten on the leg. He's, he's in not very good shape, needless to say. Uh, they make it back to the van and kind of patch him up a little bit. Uh, then a bunch of wild dogs sort of uh, attack the van. That's basically... It's up until that point you haven't seen anything that couldn't happen, sort of. Like radioactive mutated fish, I guess. That's, that's the weirdest thing up until that point. Along with the uh, four sort of regular folk, the, uh, there is a pair of hitchhiking newlyweds. Uh, I think he has a Australian accent, and she is a Norwegian of some sort of a Norwegian, I'm pretty sure. Blonde hair, blue-eyed, Norwegian. Uh, I really liked him. He's kind of, uh, he had his shit together. I'd want him on my side in any sort of zombie apocalypse. Especially because, I kept saying to the missus, why is he the only one who friggin' grabbed a weapon? He had, for most of the movie, he grabbed a tire iron. Which, if you've ever played video games with zombies quite often, a tire iron is a good way to go. They decide to go look for Yuri for a couple of reasons. I think one of them even being that they're sort of nice people that want to help someone in need. Other reason is that Yuri is the only one who kind of knows how to get out of there, because they're going to have to walk, I guess. Um, they find, well, they find what remains of Yuri, which is sort of a, a bit of the top half and a bit of the bottom half with the middle half sort of eaten out a little bit. When they find him, uh, it's your first sort of glimpse of these mutated people, I, I guess would be what they are. Yeah, that's, that's really the only logical explanation. Although I think when people are mutated to that point from radiation, you are so, uh, well, radiated that it's pretty much cancer throughout your whole body and you're dead. So I don't know how they scientifically explain that part. That's where you're, uh, sort of a suspension of disbelief comes in. The mutants are pretty cool looking. The two that the two that stand out in my mind the most are one that I don't know if it was done with a computer or they hired someone who didn't have arms and legs. Something like that, but he was almost just sort of a torso with little stubs for arms and legs, and crawled along the floor. <laughs> oh, God. That was probably, the, for me anyways, the creepiest point of the movie, because I don't like little uh, shit crawling around on the ground like that. It reminded me of, there was an episode of Buffy, in which I think it was the only time they ever did something alien as opposed to something de demonic. And the little alien guy was kind of like, didn't have legs and just kind of crawled around on his arms and sort of slug-like. He was creepy. Uh, it reminded me a lot of that. Uh, another uh, eye on the creep factor would be, of course, the mutated little kid. <laughs> Something more 
frightening to me than little ones like that, than the giant big ones, which were also prevalent in the movie. Just giant mutant dudes. I, at first I thought it was just going to be maybe one family of mutants, but it turned out to be like a whole community of them, which is pretty cool. Uh, both the missus and I said that it reminded us a lot of uh, The Hills Have Eyes, if anyone's ever seen that. Really good one. Uh, as long as you don't mind rape scenes. Ah, uh, yes. Who doesn't like a good rape scene, right? Okay, so, that's one movie down. Uh, I'm at work, so... we got a busy afternoon to talk about... Uh, one, two, three, four more movies, so we'll speed through those. Love you. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Hello again, kitties. That was a eight-hour Monday workday. Yes, yes, sure, Bob, it was. Trying out a little voice for you there. Yes, yes, sure, Bob, that was an eight-hour workday. I don't quite know what that is. Little, little prospectory, I guess. It is uh, Monday, October 29th, if I didn't say this morning which I don't think I did, and the only reason I bring it up now is because uh, of Hurricane Sandy, which is sort of happening right now. It's just the, the front end of it, sort of on my drive home. It's not too bad yet, but you can kind of see things are brewing. Things are brewing and they are not good, so let's hope we're all here tomorrow. Praise Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, I say. Okay, back to movies. Um, before we left off, I uh, went through a rundown of who died in Chernobyl Diaries, and what I'm going to do is edit that whole part out, just because, not because it is spoilers, even though it is, but because... I didn't really do it in a way that was, I feel, interesting or mature. I just kind of ran it down, and there's no real point to that. The only death that I would like to bring up, well, is two. So, these are still spoilers, but not as spoilery. One is the death of the Australian dude who died saving others, which I mentioned that I really liked him. And then he did that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm a good judge of personality, I thought to myself, even though it's a movie. Then the, this is a kind of a spoiler, the very last death, I'm not going to say who, ends up this person kind of survives everything and is severely irradiated. Uh, she's taken to what you think is a hospital for treatment, surrounded by what you assume are doctors who say they're going to help her. They then kind of shuffle her off her gurney into this dark room and lock the door, and she's like, what the fuck, dudes? And then all the mutants kind of jump up and eat her, 
because apparently she was their lunch. So that is twice in two weekends that we've had movies that ended with every character dying, which I have mentioned I like. I don't want a happy ending. I don't want them running off at sunset. I want everything and everybody to be destroyed. What does that say about me? I don't know. And frankly, I don't want to know. Okay, uh, let's jump on over to another movie called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, which you may have heard of. Uh, oddly enough, I thought this had not even come out uh, in theaters yet, but it's available on DVD already, so I don't think it did very well in theaters. I read the book because it's a title that, when you hear that title, you just kind of got to jump on board. The book was okay. For the book, I'm going to go three out of five. They did the whole book sort of uh, from diary entries and letters, which I don't really think is the way to go, to be honest. It doesn't really pull you in as much as actual, factual writing does. Before I go on, Chernobyl Diaries, jeez, I talked about it a whole lot, so I'm going to, I was going to say three, but because I talked about it so much, I'm going to go between three and four. Back to Abraham Lincoln, the vampire hunter. It's funny, I read or saw, can't remember which, one review in which they complained that the movie took itself too seriously. And I think that's kind of got ingrained into my brain like a, like sand in your undies. And because of that, that's sort of how I felt about the movie. Especially when they had, in the movie, such a great comedic actor. In, uh, if you've ever watched It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it is the funniest show on television and that I have ever watched, ever, period. One of the semi-regular characters are the McPoyles, and one of the McPoyle brothers was in this movie, oddly enough, and didn't even have uh, just a small little part. He had a, he had a fairly big part. They should have used him to bring a little comedy, a little lightheartedness, because when the name of your movie is Abraham Lincoln, colon, Vampire Hunter, you, uh, you can't take that too seriously, or else it kind of brings it down about two to three out of five on that one. Memorable moments, the actual vampires look kind of cool. They looked human, but then they did kind of like an angel of, angel of Buffy. And uh, they could make a sort of vampire face when they chose to or were in pain or whatever. Uh, and that was a cool-looking face. I kind of liked the action of the train fight. I think whenever you get a train involved with a fight, you're, it's hard to screw that up. I can think of other times where there's been train-related fights, and I can't think of a bad one. So there's a little note for you directors. If you're having trouble with a fight scene, um, do it on top of a train. Even if that makes no sense whatsoever. 
just get a train in there. And uh, I should specify maybe a moving train, a not moving train fight. That that's kind of that loses the whole point there. Ooh, it's starting to come down here. Sandy's Sandy's blowing. Okay, we'll skip on to the next movie, which is called Winning Season. Uh, available on Netflix, Canadian Netflix. It is a sports movie. Now, uh, I am sort of a let's uh, totally banish all sports and religion from the face of the earth, and we'd live in a much better place, guy. Um, but I like sports movies, so let's sort of the old uh, liking ketchup but not liking tomatoes thing. This is a basketball sports movie, specifically a high school girls basketball uh, movie starring Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell has uh, seems to be doing a lot of movies lately. And uh, I am a really big fan. He's really grown on me. Most uh, recently that pops into mine is a movie called Moon. M-O-O-N spells Moon. It's a book joke there for you. Uh, in which he plays a guy who is living on the moon. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but he is the only person living on the moon and it's sort of uh, about how he copes or does not cope with that situation. See that movie, I'm not going to give away too much, but when you get to the end of the movie, you'll be like, what the fuck? So that is something that I love, love, love when it comes to movies. When you get to the end and you look back and just say, what the fuck? And that'll happen if you watch the movie Moon. Watching the movie winning season it did not necessarily happen but was still a good movie oh uh moon we're gonna go five out of five winning season we're gonna go four out of five and that's mostly because of sam rockwell and uh it's got some teenage girls in there too (laughs) no uh sam rockwell funny uh dark funny my favorite comedies are quite often the darker ones, and this one definitely falls into that category, as he is a uh, sort of a alcoholic, trying to recover alcoholic. His wife left him and is remarried and pregnant, and his daughter hates him. So there's your darkness there. Uh, Rob Cor- Rob Cordry plays the principal of the high school, who was buddies with Sam Rockwell and feels kind of bad for him and hires him to coach the basketball team, the girls' basketball team, the losing team, girls' basketball team. Of course, he goes around and, uh, I guess you could say, meddles in the lives of the girls as probably coaches don't often do in real life and kind of uh, they grow as a team and sort of as a family if you will. So this has a sort of uh, 
bittersweet ending, which is better than the happy ending. Unless, of course, you like happy endings, but I don't. Um, he does kind of uh, make amends with his daughter, and they seem to get along better. I think it's because she sees how good he treats the girls on the basketball team and how much they look up to him. Um, the bitter is that they, in the very last season of the game, there's that one pivotal moment, seconds left on the clock, uh, one of the girls goes to make the shot, it's in the air, the buzzer sounds, and she doesn't make it. So, I like that. <laughs> I think I even laughed out loud, no less, when that happened. So that's good. <laughs> I don't know why I like bad, uh, unhappy endings like that, but I do. Some Something psychological there you could say about that, but maybe we shouldn't get into that. Uh, the second to last movie I watched was also a, uh, well, you know what? Uh, I'll just start with the ending on this one, because it had a happy ending, and I enjoyed the happy ending. But, um, that is because I think it was a documentary, and it was a, therefore, a true story, and this is the story of the band, the band by the name of Anvil, the movie is called Anvil, the story of Anvil. I am not a uh, heavy metal guy, but I do enjoy, for some reason, heavy metal movies. Like, well, the movie Heavy Metal, uh, I did enjoy that, and Heavy Metal too. although those aren't exactly heavy metal movies, they're sci-fi kind of fucked up movies. Watch those, those are, those are good seriously fucked up. Uh, five out of five for those. And I remember the voice of Garfield did one of the voices in the first one. Okay, so that, that was a bit of a tangent there. Uh, Anvil, the story of Anvil is about the Canadian band, so that was also a high point. The Canadian band, Anvil, and they're sort of, uh, they were big. They were huge, apparently. At the very beginning of the movie, they had uh, tons of huge names describing how much they liked Anvil's music, uh, but they had sort of declined in their later years. They must be in their 50s, I think it said. And they're, they'll still play, but they have day jobs. So that's kind of your downfall of Anvil. The, uh, the movie follows them around a sort of European tour that was not well put together and there's a lot of shit they have to go through and it was really pretty depressing actually got me pretty depressed watching it the thing I uh, liked about this though is that their very last show was well I don't know if it's their last ever probably not but their last show of the movie uh, was in Japan and it went awesome. Uh, the crowd was huge, and they were friggin' pumped. Which makes me think, how do people in Japan know about a Canadian 80s metal band? But they do, apparently. It's like, why is uh, David Hasselhoff so popular in Germany? I don't know. It makes no sense. But there you go. So Anvil, the story of Anvil. We're going to go four out of five.
Good, uh, good documentary. Very good. Last movie. We better hurry because we're getting near the uh, the home stretch. This is called uh, Anywhere USA. It was a indie movie. It had that little uh, Sundance Film Festival thing on it, which, although does not necessarily mean a good movie, uh, I have found often does. Uh, especially if you like, um, and this should be sort of watch Sundance movies if you like weird movies. Warning. If it's a Sundance movie and it's not weird, I think it's less likely to be good. Luckily, this one was pretty fucked up. Definitely. Um, <laughs> I was thinking as watching it, how the hell am I going to describe this movie? So, uh, let's do the short description if I can. It is broken up into three parts that are sort of interconnected. In the first part, there is a midget, his word, not mine, who uses the word sand, n-word, um, probably dozens of times. In the second story is a little girl who eats a pound of pot, who drinks a fifth of uh, bourbon, pulls out one of her own teeth. In the last movie, it is a white man who is your definition of a sort of middle-aged white man who decides he has never met a, or never met, who has no black friends, so heads out on a journey to make a black friend. That is the sort of short version of describing the movie. What else can I say? Jesus. They do have a lot of interesting things in the movie, like, yeah. Oh, the music was great. Uh, definitely a lot of the tunes. Ah, shit. You know what? I kind of meant to write some down and look them up to see if I could uh, download them. Uh, legally, of course. <laughs> um, what else? One other part that sticks out in my mind is how one woman is talking to another and describes evolution. She says, we started as, I'm going to probably paraphrase, we started as fish, we uh, worked our way up to frogs, and then to monkeys, and then to us. And some people are still in that frog stage, and by that she meant some people were still racist. This is her description, not mine. The woman she was saying it to, who was racist, said uh, the word ribbit, except what the editors did was to punch in a real frog sound instead of just someone saying ribbit. So for some reason that kind of jumped out at me. Anyways, we're home. All right. It's nice to be nice. To the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. 
Wait to see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.